It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson. Are you ready to get real, break through, and learn how to make your midlife the best time of your life? Take on those life challenges and turn them into opportunities? Let's rock. Here's Dr. Ellen. Hey, everybody, Dr. Ellen here, the Midlife Whisperer. Thank you so much for joining me today and my beautiful guests, because we have an amazing show for you. We're going to be talking all about loving, supporting, and embracing your incredible midlife body. So if you are struggling with your body, with body image, wondering how you can thrive through menopause and through midlife. Well, this show is going to give you some incredible resources because we have guests who really are going to help you take control of how you age, feel younger, stay active and thrive rather than just survive as you surf menopause and beyond. And you'll get tools and techniques that are going to help you inside and out because let's face it, you know, aging is difficult, right? As midlife women and as, you know, women in general, we are told that we are supposed to stay young. And the most important thing about us is our looks. And so that as we age, as you know, our wastelands perhaps expand, maybe we put a little bit of weight on, we become less active. You know, our body image can really take a toll. Your body image is the way you view your body, the way you see your body. And the truth about body image at midlife is that um, while it's not typically studied as much as young adults and adolescents, our difficulties with our body don't go away as we age. In fact, they can even get worse and eating disorders still remain with women at midlife. So we're really going to be talking about that today. It's really a myth that women do not experience body dissatisfaction or disordered eating during midlife. And it's often minimalized. However, there's a number of studies that show quite the opposite. One study of women age 50 and older found that 79% felt that weight or shape had a moderate to very important role in their self-concept. And yet another study found that 88% of women ages 50 and older were dissatisfied with their body size. So it's a real kind of conundrum because our bodies are changing, our desire uh, to look a certain way remains, and we need to find new ways to feel good about our bodies. But I know what I'm experiencing, I was in a yoga class the other day and I was having some personal struggles with my body. And I was just amazed that although I am struggling with uh, certain things, like 99% of my body is working right. I was going through these poses that I've been doing for pretty much my whole life. And the incredible thing is you have 32 trillion cells in your body that are all working together to keep you alive. So I want to you know, give you a couple of suggestions. The first is to really focus more on function rather than form. And I think, you know, we're changing, we're seeing more midlife women in ads and certainly, you know, online and social media, and there's a real movement to feel vibrant and beautiful regardless of your age, but also to, you know, maybe move away a little bit from focusing so much on your appearance and start to appreciate your body and thank it for what it does for you every day. Um, the second thing I would say too, is that practice self-compassion. I'm going to talk a lot about self-compassion because it's my area of research. 
basically self-compassion is learning to treat yourself the way you would a good friend. So being mindful when you are stressed or struggling, whether that is something with your body, your mind, your emotions, your spirit, understanding that struggling with your body is something that most women experience. This is normal. This is this idea of common humanity that we do get sick, things go wrong. And when you realize that this is normal, you don't feel so alone. You don't feel so isolated. And the third piece um, is to be kind rather than critical, right? If we talk to our friends the way we talk to our bodies, we probably wouldn't have any friends. And so you know, what my research really showed is I, I did research a number of years ago and um, I took 500 women, half of them were controls, half of them were in the intervention group and they received mindful self-compassion meditations. And on average, the people in the meditation group worked with the meditations for about an hour a week. And what the research showed is that body shame went down, body dissatisfaction went down, uh, body um, self-worth based on appearance went down and body appreciation increased. So here's something that you can do that has nothing to do with your body. You know, I used to think, well, if I had the, the perfect body, then I would love my body, but that never works because body image really is in your head. It's not actually in your body. I mean, it's visual. It's how you see yourself. It's mental. It's what you believe about your appearance. It's emotional. It's how you feel about your body, including your height, your shape, your weight. It's kinesthetic. Like, how do you feel? Are you experiencing pleasure in your life? Are you, you know, taking those baths, getting those massages, having a beautiful walk, enjoying being in your beautiful midlife body? And it's also historical. So it's a lifetime of experiences, including pleasure, pain, praise, criticism. So there's a lot about body image, but I'm here to say, but I used to have the worst body image in the world. And although my body to most people looked great in my mind, it was never good enough. And I have to say that finding self-compassion turned everything around and also learning to work with my aging body to understand that, yeah, I can't quite climb the mountains. I live in Vermont. I can't quite do what I used to do, but you know, this body mm. produced two children, um, you know, I walk my 10,000 steps every day. I can lift weights. I can do so much. So we're going to talk a lot about this today. And, and another thing that's so important about improving your body image is exercising. There's a lot of research that shows that exercising regularly. And again, focusing on the function of your body is one of the best things you can do for your body, your mind, your heart, your spirit and it will actually improve your body image. Um, and many women struggle with making exercise a regular habit. I think I, I talk to a lot of women that I'm working with clients and they're like, well, you know, I remember being picked last for kickball and not being able to climb that rope during gym class. And so we, uh, you know what I'm talking about, we have these feelings about not, not feeling good about ourselves when we move our bodies. There's a lot of barriers to, getting to the gym, comparing ourselves to other women. But I'm so excited about our next guest because she's really trying to change that. She has created an amazing website, which is theoptimal.me. That's theoptimal.me. And I am so excited to welcome theoptimal.me as a sponsor of Rock Your Midlife. And theoptimal.me is for the midlifer who wants to feel younger, stronger, 
stay active, be independent and energetic. And I love this part without pain or injury. This is not, you know, going to CrossFit and blowing out your knees. This is about gradually getting into it. So her name is Liz Grantham and she lives in South Africa. She is a single mom. She's an entrepreneur. She's a marketer and she's an innovator. And she is going to tell us all about how we can embrace being active and strong and being able to continue our everyday activities as we age. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife, Liz. Great to have you here. Thank you so much, Dr. Ellen. It's wonderful to be with you. And so tell us first, how did the idea for the Optimal Me come about? So I am one of those who, look, I was a very good swimmer when I was younger and I swam for most of my, my, most of my way through school competitively and I got to the end of school and I just said, I'm not ever doing this again. I was so bored with 5 a.m. starts and finishing at 7. Um, and for years, I really did absolutely nothing. I mean, I've always been very active in my work. I, I do a lot of production work and have throughout my career. So very busy, but certainly not with any level of formal exercise. And I tried so many things. I tried to go to yoga. I tried to do aerobics. I tr got myself a personal trainer. Um, eventually, he was. I was paying a lot of money to um, walk the dog with somebody. I mean, literally, you know. I'm, and I'm and I'm quite forceful. So when I don't want to do something, I don't. And it always annoyed me, even with a trainer, that I would always feel pain. And I, I don't know. It, it's a sort of psychological thing for me. I have enough pain in my daily life. Actually, doing my job, I have clients who are always, you know, they have us on the clock, etc. That in my own time, that's the last thing I want. You know, I don't want to have. I don't want to be told that it's got to be hard um, because I don't, in, you know, I really don't feel that that's how life should be. And certainly as I've gotten older, I really believe that, that it, life is not, you don't have to have, you know, this whole no pain, no gain thing is nonsense. But um, in 2010, we had a, uh, the World um, Football Tournament here in South Africa, the FIFA 2010 tournament was held here. And I we call it very, soccer here. Yes. We call it soccer yeah. too, but you, <laughs> so, so we had this wonderful tournament and I had massive work and I really, I mean, I, I did a very big job with very little resources. And one of my medical team said to me, you know, you're going to have adrenal fatigue and I don't think you realize how serious that is going to be. And I said, oh, please, you know, I'm fine. And he said, no, you really have to have to start exercising to manage your stress, if you do not start exercising, if you think you're feeling bad now, if you actually tip over the scale, that is the rest of your life, that you, you're you never not going to be exhausted. And, and it was the fright that I got. And like most of us, we never do anything that's preventative. We wait until we're in a crisis before we do something. And I started looking around to see what I could do. And I have a wonderful functional medicine practitioner who said to me, Liz, you know, I know about this this guy who does these classes um, that's all about functional movement. And I said, I'm not going to a gym class. I, I was so petrified at the thought of having to walk into a gym and go to a class, never mind, not like slink around just doing my own thing. Anyway, I eventually thought, well, you have no choice. And I went one Friday evening at five o'clock. I took myself off to this class. And the next 50 minutes changed my life completely. Because for 50 minutes, the music was extraordinary. 
I never once, I mean, normally when I exercise after five minutes, you know, there's always that big clock somewhere where you can see the time and I'm counting it, how many more minutes, how many more minutes. And I watched the people around me on a Friday night having the time of their lives for 50 minutes. There were young people, there were people heading for 80 and what they were able to do and how we moved, you know, was so, it was like dancing actually, but dancing without having to really have a lot of rhythm without having to be able to go, oh my word, I can't go left and right. And a lot of it was very instinctive. Um, and it was so nice that by the end of 50 minutes, I felt like a different human being. And it, I started going three times a week. I started saying no to my clients when they said, can we meet at X? I was like, no, we actually can't. It needs to be an hour later or whatever it was. The ibuprofen I was taking every single day after lunch, I stopped taking. And I felt fantastic. And, you know, I actually really was so, I got to feel so strong. And I think it's one thing that often, if you're thinking about exercising, you know, we often think we must exercise to be small when it comes to body image. But if we change that and it becomes, I'm going to exercise to be strong. And that doesn't have to be, you know, physical with beautiful muscles, but just as a human being to feel strong and competent and capable I think sometimes that also creates a shift because, you know, we need to be strong in life, you know, and we want to be strong. Strong is wonderful. So I think that, um, and, and strong isn't hard, you know, it's, it's still a, a softness. I think that he actually taught me in those classes. And then I, I traveled an enormous amount. And what I was saying to you earlier is I was in Barcelona at this big mobile world Congress and I'd had a long haul flight and I just felt awful. And I thought, you know, if I could just do a class right now, if only I had Yanni in my pocket, I would actually be able to feel great and ready to, in a different kind of time zone, be at my best. And I sat in that hotel room and I thought, you know what? I know about advertising. I know about digital. I know about all these things. I'm actually going home to go and build this platform. Because if I need to have this, I'm sure that there are hundreds and thousands of women like me who will look for the same thing. Yeah, and so that really is, is it. That's such an incredible story. So, so many things to touch on that. First of all, you got so, you felt so good. Like exercise, mm, I mean, if you could put exercise in a pill. I mean, you're talking about increasing endorphins. You're talking mm. about, you know, dopamine, serotonin, all of the neurotransmitters mm. and your, your, uh, really moving that synovial fluid, which is mm -hmm. cushioning your knee joint, you know, all of your joints. Yeah. I mean, exercise. I mean, I, I'm the opposite. I'm, I've always been a jock and I, <laughs> I, I exercise two to three hours a day and people go like, that's so much, but you know, I take an hour and a half long walk mm. with my dog. I might do a class on your platform or a yoga class. Mm. I lift some weights, but I love this story though, that you went from nothing and literally like made a 180 and just was like, I am mm. having so much fun. I don't know where mm. we got this cockamamie idea that exercise is punishment. That you, well, you I know, think market, you know, that the world of business and marketing created that, you know, you've got to make a time in your diary because you've got to go to a gym. And if it's Monday, you're going to do your, you know, abs. If it's Tuesday, you're going to do this. You've got to have equipment. You need to like wear things. And we all got into this whole habit, I think, of not listening to our bodies. And, you know, it's, it's why we hurt ourselves. It's why we do foolish things when we're doing a class because we're pushing ourselves too hard or, 
you know, we, we're going to have this whole idea of being competitive. I think we're a generation of competitive people. You know, we always want to push the boundaries. We want to try harder. We want to be better. And I think part of what the class has taught me and what our what we call integrated movement routines teach you, each of us as individuals, is to listen to our bodies because there are no two bodies the same. None of us have the same in the, uh, history. None of us have... Um, the same injuries, none of us have the same bone structure, we have all different imbalances. And if we're able to listen to our bodies, we can take a whole different approach to how we move. And I think when we accept that movement should be pleasurable and not painful, that changes things too. Because if you can do something that really makes you feel great but you haven't gone through this i'm so sore i'm hurting myself you know if it's not sore it means you know if your shoulders are sore you must do things that hurt to get the blood to rush there because then the pain's going to go away no the treatments for chronic pain have all changed completely we work with um the most wonderful pain qualified physiotherapist um who's on our site too simone she's just got new programs approved um from the university in perth that are for chronic pain sufferers. They're getting rid of all the medications, even in the UK now, that you know they are no longer prescribing ibuprofen, anti-inflammatories, et cetera. And it's becoming all about movement, but moving that it makes you feel good, even if it's just a little bit, as opposed to always leaning into the parts that are sore, that you go into that uh, fight or flight space. Um, and that's what we have to relearn and reteach ourselves, is that when we move, it should be pleasurable. And sure, every now and again, it might hurt a little bit. But it's not about, you know, having to hurt things that are already sore. And I think it changes the way you approach things um, when you think about it like that. So tell us a little bit about the actual site. So if someone's listening, and I know a lot, again, a lot of people I work with have kind of these barriers against moving because they haven't done it for years, and they kind of bring it up and it create sometimes yeah. creates some, I, I don't know how to do this. I'm not good at this, but for you, some, whether somebody's a novice exerciser or they've been exercising for years, tell us a little bit about what they'll find on the optimal.me. So we, we take kind of a varied approach. Number one, in terms of, of where you're at on the scale of experience with movement, um, the movements that our program is based on are all functional movements and movements our bodies are designed to make. There's no weird poses or pushing yourself into strange shapes or having to do anything that you can't. And it's all about going in your own time at your own pace. So we have a 21 day onboarding program where you can choose to either do a beginners or an intermediate um, 21 day program. And it's very slow onboarding, the same slow things over and over until you start getting completely comfortable with them. Um, we also have created for people who always want to do things right, um, a whole section on our site about how, that we call the how-tos, where you literally exercise by exercise. You can even download a PDF if you wanted to, to kind of do it on your own um, outside of doing a routine. And then you can choose, obviously, based on time, because a lot of us are time poor and, you know, getting somewhere to do things or always trying to find 30 minutes is hard. So what we've done is we've taken an approach of five minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes or 50, because 
actually doing less movement more often throughout the day is far better for us now than doing 50 minutes in the morning and then sitting all day. Um, so, so really what we're trying to do is to make movement rather than exercise fit into your life. Because if it fits into your life easily and you can habit stack when you move, making small changes all the time, um, you're really going to have a way better outcome than if you, you know, you have to do this big thing now and you've got to do it at eight o'clock or you've got to do it at, you know, whatever time you've got an appointment. I think that it's very much a real um, kind of piece of, of the, the puzzle where you know that it fits into your world. It is so, sorry, are you seeing all of this? It fits into your world and it's really um, something that becomes pleasurable. And as a last thing to just for us to understand is, you know, functional fitness is coming into the mainstream now like integrative medicine is. And we need to be able to twist and rotate and work in verticality, right? When we walk, we're in verticality. If we're rowing, we're in verticality. If we're cycling, we're in verticality. We need to twist and turn so that we are able to keep our balance no matter what we're doing, whether we're stretching, you know, up or having to turn around and bend at the same time. Because that's often when injuries happen, when we're not um, able to shift and, and use our upper body and our lower body all at once. And that really is what integrated movement routines do, is very slowly take you on a journey of discovery. Yeah, and I love this idea of habit stacking and doing it mm -hmm. in short bursts, because the research really shows is the recommendation is around 30 minutes a day for movement mm -hmm. most days of the week. But you could do that 30 minutes all at once. You mm. can do them in five minutes. And I love when we were talking on Instagram today, you know, you were talking about like habit stacking with your coffee. So let's say mm. you put the grounds in, you put the water in, it takes five minutes to make the coffee. Take your, the optimal.me that's in your pocket. It comes right mm. on your cell phone. And then you can do your five minutes. So if you do that five minutes there, you do another five minutes, let's say you're, you know, waiting, I don't know, waiting in an appointment or you're just taking a five, 10 minute break. So it's lovely that you can cut it up. And also I think it's, as you had said earlier, so important to schedule in the time. That's what I find the, the hardest thing for midlifers is we've got so much on our plate. We're taking care of so many people. Mm. We're taking care of our own jobs and our kids and our, maybe our parents and our spouse and our house. And it just never happens. So just like, you know, we have to schedule in all that self-care, right? You have to schedule in your movement, schedule in time to do things that are joyful for you, or it's just not going to happen. Yeah. And I think, Ellen, the other thing that's so important is in terms of a great midlife, you know, your body actually like movement is medicine. So is food um, on our site over and above the movement that you find, you know, we really talk a lot about nutrition um, and, and, and we provide, you know, our approach to all of this is when you're at, in midlife, you know, we, we are, we're, we're smart people now. We know how to make decisions. We know we actually, if we start getting in tune with ourselves, know what's good for us. So we really don't, and we don't believe in one size fits all. So our, we see very much, my philosophy is, is let's provide information that you can get to fairly quickly. Um, that you can read, uh, you know, well-researched, um, really beautifully curated material that is all credible, um, you know, that comes from the best sources, whether it's the latest Harvard research or things that are coming out of the UK. Um, so around health and nutrition, that can help you think about things like inflammation and how you get your inflammation markers down. That can help you think about how you eat. And of course, you know, this 
all plays into where we are now in this time when our bodies change, when how we react to what we eat is quite different to when we were younger. Um, we know, you know, with things like alcohol, etc. We just don't feel the same or, or the impact takes longer to get over, etc. So we dedicate a lot of time and effort to having very, very um, fine writers and, and creative people curate and provide information in really bite-sized chunks um, so that we can be even better educated without having to go researching for hours and hours and weeks and getting so many kind of different outputs, et cetera. So, so we have very beautiful health um, content on our site um, and we, you know, great nutrition content. And also um, we talk about self, you know, the changes we're talking about, you, you kind of thinking about the body shaming piece, um, you know, you're going to talk a bit about menopause and how to cope with that, you know, having to deal with older parents, having to deal with kids leaving home and empty nest. You know, we, we, we cover on our site a lot of the things that are common to us in this time. But and movement is at our core. People can join for a month free. So mm, if you're absolutely. listening and you're curious, just go to the optimal.me. You can join. And there really is a smorgasbord. And I think what's so exciting is, you know, we're living longer. And so we are mm. changing the whole face of what aging looks like and, you know, wanting to make the most of this next chapter. And it's, it's a really new thing that people live as long as they do. And next, the next mm -hmm. half hour, we're going to talk about menopause, but certainly exercise eating has really been shown to make a big difference. If you're having, you know, in terms of going through perimenopause, where mm -hmm. if you're moving your body again, appreciating your body, eating more of a whole foods, plant-based diet really has a huge, huge mm -hmm. impact. So what does the future of the optimal.me look like? But I know you've got some big plans for this. Can you tell us a little bit about <laughs> where course. you, where your vision for this incredible site is? So, so I think, you know, the one great thing about midlife is that we have the experience the wisdom, the confidence, we know ourselves hopefully well enough to make big changes and to embrace those changes. So what I'm what I'm working on is really um, trying to, to kind of reach as many people as we possibly can um, with this whole notion of integrated movement and of how we can really, as we say, and, and many others, make our next chapter our best chapter, because it is after all the time that comes where we can, where we have a sense of freedom. Um, both, you know, and hopefully it's it's reaching enough people with a retirement plan for their bodies that they, you know, that they haven't thought about while they were saving away for years and years. Um, you know, we, we want to be independent. Research tells us that as midlifers, we want to do that. So I am hopefully going to um, be partnering with some interesting people to get our, our program out there. Um, in the meantime, we will continue to build our content we're looking to bring more trainers on board so people will have options in terms of whether they want a female person on their screens or if they want a male. Um, we're also looking to, to put some great courses um, on our site. We're looking to include chronic pain. Um, and, and also, as we grow our membership, we will be kind of really taking people on a personalized, a far more personalized journey. Um, when they come to Optimal. Right now, you've got to dig around a little bit. You know, you've got to go and be a bit curious to find what you want in nutrition, et cetera. Um, but we're hoping um, that in the in the next kind of while, we'll have, we'll have all of that to sort of help people along and make it even easier than it is right now. 
It's phenomenal because you said you know, we, we think about like retirement and saving for retirement, mm -hmm. right? And we have, you know, life insurance and all these things, but we don't always think about what you do now in midlife. Mm -hmm. That's going to have such a huge impact on where mm -hmm. you're going to be in your 80s and your 90s. And my parents are 90 and 91 and they still oh, you've walk got a every long... day. You, you've yeah. got a long road ahead, just yeah, as well, well my, you're sparky. <laughs> my man and I are looking to make it to 100. So that's that's kind of the plan. But that really starts. And if you're listening, wherever you are mm. at, get rid of the shame, get rid of the blame. I think people mm. beat themselves up. Like, do it. Love yourself to health. That was a huge shift for me. I was one of those personal fitness trainers, you know, those women with the 20-pound mm. dumbbells, squatting, you know, leading group mm. exercise classes really pushing my clients kind of like, I don't you know, like Jillian Michaels and pushing people that's yeah. sort of no pain, no gain, but it's actually dangerous to do at midlife. And your site is actually a wonderful way for wherever people are at to start. So I encourage you to go to the optimal me dot, I'm sorry, the optimal dot me, the optimal dot me. You can join for 30 days for free, yeah. check it out. Um, and we're going to be back after the break, still speaking with Liz. And we're also going to speak to Kate Codrington about her an amazing book called Second Spring. So we're going to be talking about movement, talking about more about what you can do for menopause. If you want to get in touch with me, it's themidlifewhisperer.com. That's themidlifewhisperer.com. I'll see you on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Midlife can be challenging. You may be sandwiched between growing kids and aging parents, dealing with menopause and trying to find work-life balance. Or maybe your life looks good on the outside, but inside you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed and wondering how to get your confidence and joy back. You need someone to help you get real, discover who you are and navigate life. Hi, I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer, and I'm here to help. I've worked with hundreds of midlife women, went from surviving to thriving at midlife myself, and literally wrote the book on this pivotal time period, Rock Your Midlife, Seven Steps to Transform Yourself and Make Your Next Chapter Your Best Chapter. Think of me as the one-stop shop for all your midlife needs. I'm a psychologist, nutritionist, and board-certified health and wellness coach with 30 years of experience empowering midlife women. I provide nutrition consults, life coaching, and free resources to help you transform your body, your mind, your career, and your relationships. Feeling stuck? I can help you figure out how to live authentically with joy, passion, and purpose. Every Wednesday here on Voice America, live from 2 to 3, p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I share my passion for making the most of midlife and my expertise on the most pressing midlife issues from changing family relationships, managing stress, and securing enough resources to rediscovering yourself. I also interview experts from around the world to help you navigate your life. For more information, please visit my website, themidlifewhisperer.com, for fabulous resources, including my free gift, 10 tips to rock your midlife. That's the midlifewhisperer.com. Hope to see you there soon. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in. 
at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. You are listening to Rock Your Midlife with Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Have a question for Dr. Ellen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Here again is Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Welcome back to Rock Your Midlife. Thank you so much for joining us. This is really the highlight of my week. I look forward to this hour and just meeting amazing guests, sharing their stories, sharing wisdom so that we can all rock midlife because let's face it, we are really changing. Each and every one of you who is listening, all of us together are really changing the way we view midlife. We're saying we want to be seen. We are beautiful. We are smart. We are capable. We're here. And marketers are beginning to look at us and pay attention. And that's why I'm excited about our next guest, Kate Codrington. Um, She has written an amazing book called Second Spring. For those of you who are are watching here, it's a gorgeous book. If you are, wherever you are on your menopause, midlife journey, you're going to find so many incredible self-care techniques and tools and ways of viewing this. I know even in the last five years, there's been such a switch in terms of talking about menopause. It's, it's no longer taboo. It's actually becoming kind of cool. And that's why I love mm. Kate Codrington because she is really reframing it from a taboo topic framed by shame and lack of information into something that is real and transformative and Uh, She is talking about menopause and she is giving women tools. Uh, She's a mentor. She's a speaker. She's a facilitator. She's an artist. She's a writer. And she's been a therapist for 30 years. And she's a pioneering, just beautiful spirit. She had me on her podcast, oh, probably about six months ago. And we've been talking back and forth. I've been following her because she has a very interesting uh, home story as well with her lilac home that she lives in. And (laughs) I just have to say, she's also the host of an inside job podcast. And she also creates multi-level textile art projects. And she's a seasoned yoga teacher. Well, welcome to the show, Kate. I'm so thrilled that you are here today. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. And I love how we are all talking the same language, but in different areas. You know, we're all talking about Mm -hmm. pleasure, about making small changes, about finding our way to to grow and flourish in our midlife. And it's just beautiful to be with my people. Hello, people. (laughs) Yeah, and every single one of us that does it, when we each do that, we show up and we say, you know, I am proud of my age. I am proud of who I am. I'm not you know, ageism is one of those isms we don't talk about, but each of us that shows up, I think we all give each other permission to shine. So before we dig right into your book and your work, I know that you've got a question for Liz. Yeah, I wanted to ask if you think there's a relationship between a kind of stuck feeling in our minds and the kind of stuckness in our bodies, particularly relating to homeworking and being like wedded to these mm beautiful, evil, beloved screens, like when we're sitting here on Mm -hmm. Zoom, right? Mm -hmm. And it's very easy to get stuck. I I find it, I'm, you know, I'm a movement person, but I I find it very easy to get stuck Mm -hmm. here for, you know, three quarters of an hour rigid. Mm. And I think my mind gets stuck too. Is that common? 
Without a doubt. And I think that that rhythm, you know, nature has rhythm, right? And I think life is is about, all life has rhythm. And when we're sitting and we're not, and we're stuck for long periods of time, we do lose our rhythm. We lose rhythm in our train of thought. We lose rhythm in our bodies. Um, and inactivity is really, you know, everything, our organs slow down, everything starts slowing down. So I think there is without doubt a relationship between the amount of and how often we move um, and get up off the chair and literally walk around as simple as that um, or get up and walk to the door and, you know, maybe open it and get a breath of fresh air and how we sit. I mean, so many people are sitting for like 13 hours a day. You know, the, the World Health Organization calls, um, you know, the, the lack of us moving a, a pandemic. It's a, and before there was even a pandemic, they were using the word about inactivity. So if we, if you just think about how everything slows down, your whole system slows down when you're sitting. And it's easy. The more you sit, the more you want to sit, like with everything. You know, the more you move, the more free you feel, the more you walk in nature, the more you want to walk in nature. And it's why I love the whole dance and I'm no dancer. You know, I say like, just put your music on, actually switch on your favorite song and dance for five minutes. Thankfully, when we were young, hit songs were a bit longer than two and a half minutes or less. Just in your bathroom, while you're brushing your teeth, dance to your favorite song because you're moving and you're getting your whole physical system going. And at the same time, your mind. So yeah, I'm a great, I'm a great believer in the fact that being sedentary in your body actually leads to a sedentary mind. Well, certainly we are using our cardiovascular system and we are oxygenating our brain and getting blood to the brain when we're moving and the body keeps score. So emotions are felt experiences in the body. And there's certainly a huge body mind connection. Awesome. Awesome question. So let's switch gears and talk about what's becoming one of my favorite topics to talk about here on Rock Your Midlife is menopause. And I know this is changing, but why, you know, initially was there, is there so much fear around menopause? Well, first there's fear because we're told that we should be afraid. All the headlines, I mean, there's a, there's a huge amount of awareness growing, you know, somebody has, we've opened the, opened the closet, we've opened the cupboard doors and oh no, perimenopause has come out and we can't get it back in now, okay? So the shame that we feel around this is dissolving slowly and that, that will take time. But in order to get people to watch the television programs, to read the newspaper headlines, they use negative headlines, even when the story is positive. It's absolutely insane. So we're, we're told to be afraid and so we're afraid. And we go, I mean, you know, this so relates to what you were talking about earlier. We hold our breath, we hold our bodies tight, our organs suffer, our circulation suffers. You know, it, there's a, it has a whole physiological effect. Yeah, well, but that's all part of this. If, if it bleeds, it leads culture. No pun intended with the bleeding, but you know, this negative news media, that's why it's so great to be able to have podcasts and even social media where people can come out and not have everything be negative. Yeah. And, and you know, the, these headlines are created that way because it's our, it's our human nature to pay attention to warnings. And but I think when used... we... 
it will that's we show up like that. to make us buy stuff you know to buy anti-aging creams to click to buy the newspaper to watch to get the viewing figures up and I think also control us too, right? When we're in fear, mm -hmm. then your critical thinking skills kind of go offline. You're kind of worrying about safety and it really changes the way that you function. Um, and I think also this sort of fear also so many women are afraid of it when this is just normal. Like I didn't, I mean, I had some hot flashes and it wasn't like a total breeze, but it wasn't this horrible experience. And I think it's like a fait accompli if we expect that menopause is going to be so horrible, so difficult, the worst times of our life. Well, is it no wonder that it shows up, which is why second spring is so awesome because you're looking at it as a, as a positive transformation. Yeah. Absolutely. And 25, about 25% of people don't experience severe menopause symptoms. So it's by no means wow. you know, a terrible thing. And you're absolutely right. The fear keeps us shut down. It keeps us disconnected from our feelings. It keeps us disconnected from each other, from our communities, and keeps us quiet, you know, and it disconnects us from our needs as well. Because if I'm afraid and I feel that I have a deficiency and I'm broken at 45 or 55 or whatever, then it makes it really hard for me to ask for help from my physician or my complementary therapist or my uh, trainer or whatever. It keeps us shut down and isolated. So what can we do to change the suffering that so many women are experiencing? Well, first off, to understand that it's not a deficiency, but a gateway to a new way of being. So by letting go, it's, a, it's, it's asking us to let go, to let go of ways of being that don't serve us anymore, to kind of take a like a report card <laughs> of, of our lives and that, well, what's worked? And, you know, there are a lot of relationships that break down through these years. There's a lot of people who change jobs. There's a lot of habits that are required to be changed. And when we're able to do this, when we're able to reflect and slow down and let go, we can move into a new phase of life of, second spring of postmenopause, where we care a lot less about what people think. <laughs> and we're not so dependent on other people's approval all the time, because we, you know, as women, uh, we were born in the 60s and 70s, we were trained to be good, to be in service, to be quiet, not make a fuss, really don't be angry, because that's not what girls do. It's not what women do. So we have a lot of we have a lot of stored up anger <laughs> and resentment going on because we've been behaving so well and looking after everybody else all these years, you know. And this this gets um, pathologized into these or the this awful depression or this awful anxiety or this awful rage that perimenopausal people. But you know, it's not surprising we're pissed off, right? And we don't have an outlet. We're not given permission to have that exactly. outlet. And it's, I think, you know, it's very interesting that women at midlife have the highest rate of depression for any group, according to gender and age, it's like 12%. 
So, you know, it's up there, you know, with breast cancer, one in eight of us are walking around with depression and they don't know if the depression is because of the changes in hormones or it's because of the side effects that, you know, perimenopause can cause. So mm-hmm. I'd love to, for you to share some of your best techniques. I know you have the seasonal approach to like being, I know you're very much in touch with the earth. I caught your earth, earth day um, live on Instagram, which I love. And I love that about you, that you are so in touch with the earth. And I'm a big fan of grounding and gardening and just being out in nature. What are some real practical earthy things that women can do uh-huh. if they are going through perimenopause? I want to say too, if you're listening, perimenopause happens sometimes 10 years before you actually officially mm-hmm. go into menopause, which is 12 months after you've had your last period. Mm, thank you for the defining the terms. I always forget to do that. <laughs> so people might be experiencing changes maybe in their late 30s, you know, and typically we don't expect, we, we understand that menopause is something that happens to old people over there, them, <laughs> them over there and not to me, you know. So when people experience feeling vulnerability psychologically and emotionally, they are they think that it's something else and they don't expect it to happen anyway what did you ask me you asked me about i asked you you? just some some specific (laughs) tips that we i asked you to sort of talk a little bit about your uh seasonal approach Hmm. uh that you bring and how does it help people so some practical things that women who are experienced and i think i mean the seasonal thing is just understanding that we have you know our sort of our soul nature our intellectual nature but we're also animals and we another thing we've talked a lot today about screens being good and screens being useful but then also needing to get away and connect with the earth Mm -hmm. and realize that we're part of nature and this is a natural process that happens to most women who most people who are in in female bodies uh over the course of time that's normal so what can people do well, to help let's them talk, through let's the transition talking about rhythm right mm-hmm. so we have this natural expansion and contraction rhythm that goes on and it happens in the menstrual cycle where we become more expansive towards ovulation and contract more we have this expansion as well through our teens, 20s and 30s were expanding, getting more engaged in life. And then we're contracting and getting more reflective and quieter in perimenopause and menopause. And this is normal. This is how it's supposed to be. The difficulty is that we don't expect it and that we're not allowed to withdraw into ourselves because we're so drawn into tech caring for other people and getting on and being this toxic productivity that we always have to be out there and on it. So there are, there are like a gazillion ideas in my book. It's it's sort of pick and mix of all kinds of things, but the most important thing that we can do is to create more space for ourselves in any way that you can every day. And it's very, it's very akin to what you're talking about Liz. So that could be to sit and have a a breath in your break in the loo. I don't know. How do you say loo in American? We we use the bathroom, but we can say loo. Bathroom. I I like loo. Okay. (laughs) So you can, so to take time out consciously for yourself. And that might be to say no to appointments. And sometimes we have to say no to really exciting things. If we're depleted, If, if you're in the sort of, place where you're edging towards burnout where you're 
some people are talking about adrenal depletion or that kind of thing, we might have to say no to things that look really juicy, but ultimately we don't have enough reserves and create space for ourselves. It might be uh, pottering around in your pajamas. It might, be, you know, how how can we create space that is soft, where we can soften, where we can feel a softening and a spaciousness in our mind, and a softening and a spaciousness in our bodies and our hearts. Yeah, and, it can be challenging if you are sort yeah. of in that type A, and and I know that I have some workaholic tendencies, and sometimes it's hard to think about, well, I'm just going to not worry about doing anything today. I'm just going to lounge in my pajamas, and I think it's challenging for a lot of women. It's been really, really, yeah. yeah you are I, I, what I, you do and accomplish, not, mm -hmm. and it's hard for us to, we're human doings instead of human beings. Yeah, so it can take some structure. You know, we were talking about structuring and exercise earlier. We can do little things like if you have, I mean, we're all on Zoom these days, a lot of online appointments, probably right across the board for most people. You can arrange to have a longer gap in between them. So if you're used to somebody who likes, who's really quick and squashes a lot in your day because you have to get it all in and get it all done, then you can arrange a 15 minute gap. Challenge yourself, make it a little bit bigger than you're used to and see how that feels and when the anxiety comes up pay attention to the voices that you hear because that's the gold right that's the that's where you're here i have i have to be harder i'm letting people down that's where you'll hear all the all the negative voices the messages that you've been picking up through your life about why you have to push through and why you have to make your, your own needs secondary to other people. And that's the absolute gold. And then if you can listen to that and engage with those voices, then you know what you're working with. Then you know what the stuff is that you need to let go of. Yeah, that inner critic is trying to help you. And that inner critic is really the internalized voice of early caregivers who tell you, you know, get good grades, finish the food on your plate, clean your room, do be a human doing and get all these things done. And as, as children, we feel like if I don't do those things then I won't be loved, I won't be taken care of, but we still have that voice. And it's really the antithesis of self-compassion. So you might want to just explore, what does my self-compassionate voice says, say, the, the voice that says, you know, I love you and I don't want you to suffer and I'm here to support you. What do you need right now? And yeah. I think part of it is just getting quiet, which is so hard to do because we're, as John Kabat-Zinn says, we're driven to distraction. We've got these wonderful cell phones and we've got our, you know, a fitness instructor. We can have any amount of information, but they are constantly you know, pushing our dopamine to pick them up. How many people have liked me? Who's texting me? Who is, uh, who is emailing me? And I think we need to put them down and just say, you know, I'm going to find 15 minutes to do nothing and just be quiet, just be in mm. silence. Which I, I think it's very, very interesting. We all have our own kind of combination that will help with that. So some structure. So I will turn my phone off at seven o'clock at night or eight o'clock at night. But to ha also have softness and permissiveness within that so that when we fall off the wagon and we think, oh, nobody loves me, I have to look at Instagram to get my gratification, like we all do, um, then we can forgive ourselves for it and we can allow ourselves, oh yeah, okay, that's okay. And 
we all have also our different voice of compassion. You know, somebody might have their mum. For some people, that would just be so impossibly traumatizing that it wouldn't just wouldn't work at all. So you might have your best friend or your spiritual guide or or, or Jesus or the angel Gabriel, whatever, or the cat next door. It doesn't really matter as long as because it's all because it's all you. You know, shh. It's all your. It's your the goodness that resides in us which is quite hard to access sometimes. So sometimes it's great to outsource it, not to the cat next door. It's not a very nice cat. But. Yeah, that's, a, that's a fantastic. So imagine that you had, I always tell people, imagine that if you had a wise friend and what would she say to you? Or if you had a friend who was going through the same thing, what would they what would you say to them and sort of finding that voice so um how do you how do people prepare for perimenopause i mean we don't have like you don't get like a survival kit i mean your book of course is is a good thing but you're know, someone who is in her late 30s early 40s wondering is this the, you know i get a lot of people saying is this the change am i going through it how do people gracefully prepare and start to enter this journey well you have a ever any anybody who has a menstrual cycle has a secret tool already all laid out from the bear that will prepare them for perimenopause and that's to track their menstrual cycle which just means to notice their mood their feelings and energy that's so a great tip just looking at your premenstrual phase what triggers you and what soothes you will help you to understand what you need to work on and nourish in your perimenopause. Because perimenopause is also an autumnal phase. Yeah, that's a fabulous suggestion to really start to track your mood. So we only have a few moments left. I'm wondering if Liz, if you have a question for Kate. Oh, so many. <laughs> so we've got a minute. So. Yes. So, so, so Kate, I think the interesting thing is if you are um, going through perimenopause, often it's just too confusing, but there are, and there are a lot of voices out there now. What would your, your sort of first piece of, of advice be to somebody that, that doesn't know where they're at on the scale, right? They don't know. Am I, they're asking the question, am I perimenopausal? I would ask, I would suggest that they should probably lower their standards of themselves. <laughs> Let the house be dirtier and let yourself be kinder. Well, it's like, it that's doesn't, there is so much advice. noise. There's so much noise, mm -hmm. but we all, our standards are always too high. How can we soften? How can we find that kindness? That's such a great, great suggestion that let the perfectionists go and do less. So women, thank you so much for joining. If you are looking to connect with Liz, it is theoptimal.me. That's theoptimal.me. And if you are suspecting that you're anywhere close to perimenopause, I cannot recommend Kate Codrington's book, Second Spring. It is a gorgeous book. Um, I am through the change, but I just love it. It is a beautiful book. Both of you, thank you so much for being here. Thank you everyone for listening to Rock Your Midlife. If you want to reach me, it's themidlifewhisperer.com. That's themidlifewhisperer.com. I would love to know what you think about the show. If you have any suggestions, thank you so much. And we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to Rock Your Midlife. 
We hope this episode has helped you get real, discover who you are, and get the tools to navigate your life. Until we talk again, have a fantastic week and go rock your midlife.